Father, just thank you for the Spirit of God. And we do thank you for the anointing, Lord, that each one of us have ears to hear. Lord, we all came. We're all having different issues in our life. And so we believe that you are speaking directly to each and every person this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Talking about fears, I did a little bit of a search. And there's different uh, organizations. There's different colleges and different uh, companies that did a research on the top fears of 2021. But here's some of them. Uh, one of the number one things was loved ones dying, loved ones becoming seriously ill, mass shootings, not having enough money for retirement, terrorism, government corruption, becoming terminally ill, hate crimes, high medical bills, and widespread civil rest, civil civil unrest not rest but unrest uh, a loved one contracting the coronavirus a pandemic or major epidemic the economic or financial collapse cyber terrorism or biological warfare so there's a lot of fear going on in our planet and um, I just believe that God has the answer to fear and it starts off in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. It says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So don't be afraid. That is what the message is. And you can go all the way back to Genesis after Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, uh, the Bible says that Adam and Eve were afraid, and they hid themselves. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, it says, So he said, I heard your voice, Adam said, in the garden. I was afraid. I was afraid. So fear has gone all the way back to the garden of, uh, of Eden. And so the servant, the serpent, had convinced Adam, and he convinces us as well that we can fulfill our destiny and fulfill our dreams without God, without God. And God wants you to know that we need him. Not somebody, you know, God is not wanting to be worshipped because he needs that. He knows what we need. He knows what we need. And the great thing is he's provided everything that we do need. So, uh, even in the high technological, all the advancement that our world has, fear is still the number one problem of nations, leaders, and individuals. But the message of Christmas is that God has the answer to every single fear. Uh, you know, you read about the Christmas story, how it was silent, the silent night. It was dark. And in the midst of the silentness, in the midst of the darkness, the Savior was born. God was working in the midst of everybody's darkness, in the midst of it seemed like there was a troubled time. At the time Jesus was born, it was a troubled time for Israel, Rome. They were under the leadership of Rome, and uh, the Romans were just causing er havoc in their nation. But even though there's no room in the end, Jesus was born, said there will always be room for you and me at the cross. 
There's always room for us. And there's room for healing. There's room for provision. There's room for every need being met. And so in, there's so many messages surrounding the birth of, of Jesus that we can just take them in. We can take them in that every need was met 2,000 years ago. And so um, it, it's really interesting if you study the culture and the history of Israel is that, you know, they had Passover. And every Passover lamb was born in Bethlehem. The, the Jewish people, they didn't want the, the sheep, the Passover lambs to be born around Jerusalem because like feedlots, which Colorado, we're, we're familiar with that. Once you leave Pueblo and go east of here, you will smell them. And uh, it's always good for feedlots to be away from towns. And everybody said, amen. amen. But that's the way the people of Jerusalem felt as well. So they said, listen, make sure the Passover lambs are outside of Jerusalem. And they made a particular area, Bethlehem. So every single Passover lamb was born in Bethlehem. And it's just coincidental, I'm sure, that Jesus, our Passover lamb, was also born in Bethlehem. And just like every shepherd saw every Passover lamb born, the first message that the angels brought to the shepherds was, there is a Savior born, the true Passover lamb. He said that to the shepherds so they could go and see the great Passover lamb, Jesus. Isn't that interesting? I believe that's just God has placed things like a puzzle together. And even during the, the birth of his Savior, it's even though Mary and Joseph were not raised or living in Bethlehem, God put it all together so they would end up in Bethlehem so that Jesus would be born at a particular place a particular time. So I know that there's so much fear going on. And uh, how many remember Ann Landers, her article in the newspaper? I know nobody, most young people don't even know what a newspaper is now. But, I mean, uh, how many remember Ann Landers if you're older than whatever? Anyway, she was uh, always had an article in the paper and she would answer or try to give advice to people who had problems. So it was reported in the newspaper that Ann Landers received an average of 10,000 letters each month. And nearly all of them were from people who were burdened with problems. And she was asked if there was any one of them which predominates throughout the letters she receives. And her reply was that there is one problem above all others and it seemed to be fear. People are afraid of losing their health, their wealth, their loved ones. People are afraid of life itself. And so that was many years ago. And to be honest, it's probably escalated now, the fear that people have. And the greatest problem, I believe, facing the human race in general 
but even the church in particular. It's not sin. It is fear. And all it affects all of us. I remember there's times that uh, I, I had to really battle when my kids, you know, they leave the nest and they go away and everything, you know, you just like, dear Lord, I'm not, I don't have my eyes on them. I'm not in control anymore. If you're a parent, you probably understand that. And uh, then when they start driving on the road for, you know, <laughs> I'm Jared, you know, he worked up in Colorado Springs, you know, and he would drive up there. And, and Joel one year drove to Westcliff for a long time. He was uh, being helping the youth out in a church in Westcliff. And so he was driving in the mountains and Jared was driving. And, man, I just got fear all over me that, you know, man, God, you know, protect them. And, you know, and I was just getting down to and the Lord reminded me. He says, why are you so fearful? He said, you are 18 years old, driving from Louisville to Kentucky. First of all, driving in Louisville, Kentucky. That should be enough right there. But he says, you remember, I was stationed at Grissom Air Force Base, which is northern Indiana. 18 years old. And I drove that route so many times. So many times. Through the winter, through the ice, through the snow. Rear wheel drive vehicles back then, no front wheel drive, and uh, you made it just fine. Why are you so fearful? What fear do you have in your life? Fear is here to rob you of your peace, of your joy, of life its very itself. And so I'll just want us to have a wake up call today. To not let any fear dominate your life. And there's not a person in here or watching that at one time or another has had fear just literally grip them by the throat. I'm telling you, God wants you to know that he has conquered fear. And he wants you to be Fearless. So people say, well, I can't trust anyone. The future looks very bad. I mean, look at the nation. It's never been in this kind of a mess, and everything's going wrong. And you can believe that. But this is the thing. Once you believe the lie, you empower the liar. You're empowering. So if you're going to believe that, and there are facts, and I'm not trying to sweep the facts under the rug and say they don't exist. There are facts. But I do know one thing. Truth will trump the facts. And furthermore, <laughs> facts in our scientific world are constantly changing. I mean, when I was growing up, butter and eggs were terrible. You shouldn't eat butter and eggs. And whatever you do, don't ever eat the yolk. That's the worst thing to do. Just eat the white part, you know, because the yellow part is really bad for you. I only like the yellow part. I mean, my mom would make boiled eggs. I would eat everybody's yellow and throw away the white. And then, lo and behold, years later, eggs are good for you. Butter's a lot better than it tastes like butter. No, don't eat that. That's nothing but chemicals. But you should eat the real thing. 
So science is continually upping or changing or whatever. But there's one thing that remains. It's the truth of God's word. It's the truth of his word that remains the same. So his truth will always trump any fact. I'm not ever going to try to deny the facts. I'm just saying, yes, that exists, but there's something that's far greater and more powerful than any fact that will ever come across your path. It's God's word. Hallelujah. So just think about how much of our popular evangelical theology and teaching is rooted in fear. Now, I'm going to step on some toes. Just think about how much of our religious-based theology is based in fear. For example, the fear of hell, punishment, God's wrath, the great tribulation, false teachers and false prophets, the judgment of God on our nations, the tribulation, and it goes on and on and on. And that's fascinating to Christians. It's fascinating to the church. I'm not trying to deny any of that, that stuff to say it's not true or whatever. I'm just saying this. If that is your foundational principle of why you serve God, you will not have a relationship with him. You'll serve him out of fear. I know because I did that for many years of my life. Just serve God because, you know, First of all, I didn't want to go to hell. Number two, you know, I don't want him to smack me upside the head with some lightning bolt because I did wrong. The fear-based subject seemed to hold a strange fascination on people. They sell books, sell tapes, and people will be drawn to that because they think, man, I better listen because, you know, all of this fear, fear God. The Bible even says, fear the Lord thy God. And that's taken so much out of context. How can you have a relationship with someone you fear? No, it's supposed to be great respect and adoration. It, 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 I wish the Bible, the, the translators would not have put the word fear. But they should have, you know, if you read the, the, the Hebrew and the Greek of that, it's just... It's a word that you have such respect for, you know, like fear electricity. You don't fear electricity, but you, you have respect for it. I'm not going to take a coat hanger and stick it in the light socket. I have respect for what it can do. God does not want us to be fearful of him, but because of fear-based religion, God is not seen as somebody that can be approached, cannot be seen as a father, but he's distant, judgmental, and always wanting to punish. That's a bad rap on our Heavenly Father. It is. And people won't, they don't want to have a relationship with him because you, you can... It's just so evident in church where I was raised up and it, even in this church and every church around the world that when people, if they get off base, in other words, if they feel like they fall off the wagon, they're not serving God anymore, instead of coming to God, they go, no, I don't want to do that because I've done so much wrong. That's like saying, I am so sick, there's no way I can go to a doctor. <laughs> really? Really? 
yeah, you know, I mean, I just, I'm just so sick. I don't, I don't want to go to the doctor because, you know, I mean, just he doesn't want to see me. He's the one that you're the one that he wants to see. And it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. Come to him, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The good news is, in all of this fear and all of this that's going on on our planet, you know, at the very beginning, God said there was a tree of life as well as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But God wants all of us to know 2,000 years ago, the tree of life came back to this planet. I thought of that. I've never thought of it that way, the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ brought back to this planet the tree of life. And I went, wow, I've never realized that. Jesus is the tree of life. And now he's wanting us to partake of it. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So 2,000 years ago, the tree of life came back to this planet. And God wants all of us to know not only was it the tree of life, but everything that God represents came back to this planet. Not that he said, you know, throughout the Old Testament he was with the people. But Jesus came back and he said, I want to become one with the people and live inside of them. One of the greatest things is, is his love. And when you're talking about fear, you have to talk about love. 1 John 4, 17. It says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Not when you get to heaven, but right now. There is no fear in love. What a statement. There is no fear. Zero. Nada. No fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Now, what, would, what does that mean, perfect love? You just think, well, man, now, you know, that's love that is perfect. Yeah, but what does that mean? It's the very love of God. The very love of God casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. That is like the secret potion that you can drink and drink it in and cause fear to be a distant thing from you and me. How much do you know that God loves you? How much do you know that God loves you? Do you think he just loves you when you're doing right? Do you think he just loves you when you're been a, I mean, if you're on Santa's list. But if you've been naughty, you get scratched off the list. People think that way about God. He's making a list, checking it twice. Seeing if you've been naughty or nice. God wants you to know there is no such list. 
2 Corinthians 5.19 says he does not keep a list of even of your sins. He does not list your sins. Yeah, thank you, God. If there was ever a shortage of paper, there would be one in heaven because if he had to make a list of everybody's sin. But So if we're experiencing fear throughout our life, maybe, just maybe, it's because we're not having the mentality and the revelation of how much God loves us. Just a thought. God's perfect love removes fear from our life. Doesn't change, may not change the circumstance, but it does remove fear. The love of God removes fear from your life. And the great thing about 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never fails. Never ends, becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. That's the amplified version. It never fails. So God's love for you and me will never fail. It will never fail. You can always bank on his love. That it can cause you to come through your circumstance. It'll get you through your circumstance. It never fails. So fear only comes in the absence of faith. When you're not believing that he loves you. The opposite of fear isn't faith, but love. The opposite of fear is love. It's the love of God. If we abide in his love, then that love causes faith to arise, and that faith will push fear out of your life and out of my life. Perfect love casts out fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is probably a scripture that you should know by heart. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Three things that God gives you and I to offset fear in our life. Three things that God offsets in this scripture. He's given us three things to offset fear. Number one, power. He's given you and me power. And it's not just, oh yeah, I have power. No, it's his strength and his ability that's inside each and every one of us. So you have fear coming against you and God says, I've given you strength and ability to come against that fear. Number two, he's given us love. That's the love of God in us, and his love will make you see. Listen to me. Most of us do not see our value or our worth. I'm going to say it again. Most of us, all of us, let me just put it plain and simple. All of us do not see our value and our worth to God. The only thing that can cause that value and worth of each one of us to come up is to know and understand how much God loves you. That will cause you to have a sense of worth. Oh, I'm just a nobody. You know, people say that. I just don't know. You know, I'm not very smart. I'm not very pretty. I'm just and fill in the blank, and all of us have a list of those things that we're not. But this is what the love of God does. It causes you to have a worth because of what he paid for you. God knew you were so valuable that he gave his only begotten son. There's no greater value than that. And then number three, he's given you a sound mind to combat fear. What does that mean? Self-control. God's given you the ability. I mean, when something happens, man, sometimes fear just is overwhelming. 
It takes you by surprise. You hear something or something's going on. I mean, the winds that we've had this past week, you know, they said there was going to be a 100-mile-an-hour wind in, in Woodland Park, and I just thought, you won't even be able to go outside. You go outside, and it's going to knock you down. It, I mean, all of this stuff was going on. and But fear can g- grab a hold of you, but the Bible has given us a self-controlled mind and say, no, I'm going to choose something differently than to let that fear dominate me. So he's given you three things to combat or offset fear. It's his strength and his ability. You have to remind yourself, I've not been given a spirit of fear, but I've been given power, which means his strength and ability inside of me. Number two, I've been given his love, and it never leaves me, never forsakes me. That love is always in me. And because he loves me so much, I can trust him. And then number three, he's given me self-control. I have the ability to combat this. So Paul presented fear as the opposite of power, love, and a sound mind. So if we fear, he knows that you're rendered powerless. Fear zaps your strength. It causes you just to be submitted to itself. But Paul was stirring up Timothy by reminding him that God's supply was greater than anything he would ever face. Did you know that God is saying that to you and me today? Behold, I give you great news, great tidings of joy. The Savior is being born on your planet. And so we celebrate this time of the year that he came. The tree of life came. Peace came. The opposite of fear has come. And everything that you will face, God has given us something that is far greater. So fear is eliminated by looking at God within us, not the problem before us. You can't, let me just say this. There's some people will try to pray fear out of your life. You, you know, it really doesn't work. How's that been working for you? I just pray for this fear to leave. I just don't want fear anymore. No, you're going to have to take a stand. You're going because it'll keep knocking on your door. You can take authority over fear, but it has to be replaced with something else. It has to be replaced with the love of God. It has to be replaced by knowing who you are in Christ. It has to be replaced if I'm going to come to my Father and He will help me in this time of fear. And He will, and He does, and He always has. Over and over, from Genesis to Revelation, it's fear not. Fear not. Fear not. That is said over and over and over. Every time an angel shows up, every time uh, somebody prophesies in the Old Testament, they said, fear not. Why does God want that to be mentioned before he talks about anything else? Because it's really hard for you and I to receive anything from God if we are just settled on being fearful. It's hard for you to receive anything that God is doing or is going to do for you if you are surrounded with fear or grasping fear. So he says, the first thing we got to do before I give you the message is get this fear out of your life. Fear not. Fear not. So how can we see ourselves in Christ if we're afraid of him? How can we see ourselves in Christ if we are basing everything on fear? Fear, by the way, if you look it up, it's to take flight or to run away from. 
So during this holiday time, just remember that God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And if you're just overcome with fear, and all of us have been, we need to do 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, pour out all your worries, your stress upon him, and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. There's times that all of us, you say, man, I just, I am just so fearful. I'm so worried about this. And every time, this is what God wants you to do. Come to him and say, okay, God, I've been really worried about this. So I'm going to give this to you. And probably about five minutes after that, you'll take it back. 30 minutes later, you'll take it back. An hour, or you take it, maybe that afternoon, that worry would come back on you. That's when you have to go, God, I'm giving this back to you. I gave it to you, but I took it back. I'm going to give it to you. And you keep giving it to him, time. And, and he's okay with that. He's not going to go, okay, I'm, this is getting old. He's never going to do that. Every time you give it to him, he'll take it. If it's 10 times, if it's 100 times, if it's 1,000 times in one day, God will continually take it back from you. And he says, cast all your care upon me. Your worries, your fears, give them to me, and I'll take them. But you have to be the one who gives them to you. He just doesn't come and just slap you upside the head and say, give me that. He wants you to give them to him. And so, remember 2 Timothy 1, 7. Man, that should be a refrigerator scripture, a sun visor scripture. God has not given me the spirit of fear. I am not going to. I refuse fear. I refuse it in Jesus' name. You're going to need that in your future. You are. And that's not to be gloom and doom. But it's just because this is what, it, it runs rampant in our life. It runs rampant on our planet. You may want to turn the news off. Just a thought. Just a thought. And read the good news. Amen? Let's all stand. Praise God. It's a simple message. But I believe it's a powerful one. Because fear can rob you of faith. It can rob you of the promises that God has given you and put inside of you. It can rob you of the peace and the joy. So, we're going to pray for you today. And just believe that you would remember this scripture throughout the rest of your life. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And all of the things that can be so fearful in our lives... May you remind us of your great love for us, your great strength and power and ability that is in us. May you remind us, Holy Spirit, that you've given us in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. We have the power to choose rightly. So, Lord, I pray that you would remind us to choose rightly when fear tries to grab a hold of us by the throat shake us we will look up and cast our cares our worries upon you time and time again I pray for the goodness of God the peace of God 
for all of us just to look inwardly to see how much greatness is in us and self-worth to rise up because of how we were purchased and what we were purchased for. In Jesus' name, amen.